This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Our guest today is Daniel Burris. He's hailed as one of the world's leading futurists on global trends and innovations. In fact, the New York Times has referred to him as one of the top three business gurus in highest demand as a speaker. In addition to his more than 2,800 keynote speeches, he's a strategic advisor, and he guides executives from businesses of all sizes, from Fortune 500s, as well as small and medium-sized businesses. And he helps them to develop paradigm-shifting strategies so that they can capitalize on untapped opportunities. He started six companies himself, and four of them were national leaders in the first year, and five were profitable in year one. I mean, how many of you who are listening would love to have those kinds of results? And I bet you anything, it's due to being able to anticipate uh, some of the change, so we'll hear about that. He's also the author of seven books. He's here to talk with us today about his latest book, which is called The Anticipatory Organization, Turn Disruption and change into opportunity and advantage. Welcome to the show today, Daniel. Hey, it's a real pleasure to be with you. Well, and I'm always excited to hear how we can take these things that are right under our noses that we're not really even tuned into and use them to our advantage. So let's talk about the anticipatory organization. What, what is that? What do you mean by that? Well, you know, the subtitle really uh, says it all, how to turn disruption and change into opportunity and advantage. And basically what I'm doing, Kelly, is I'm uh, teaching a what I call the great missing competency, and that is the ability to anticipate accurately problems before you have them so that you can pre-solve them and not have them in the first place. Mm-hmm. The ability to <clears throat> anticipate disruptions before they disrupt which allows you to turn disruptions uh, into a choice. You can either, because today you're going to either be the disrupted or the disruptor, given that choice, I'd rather be the disruptor. Um, And, of course, that allows you to create positive disruption. Because when it happens to you, it's negative. When you're the creator, then it's positive. I'd like to shift that for people. And with the pace of change accelerating like it is today at an exponential level, If all we're doing is being agile, which is reacting quickly to problems after they happen and reacting quickly to innovations after they occur and disruptions after they occur, frankly, uh, the advantage of that is slipping quickly to the behind us. So we need to get out ahead of these changes, and there is a clear and easy way to do that. That's why I'm excited to be with you today to talk to our listeners about how to do that. Yeah, and let, let's let's do talk about that. You said that 
it's far better to be able to identify ahead of time and pre-solve problems rather than deal with them as they occur and, you know, blindsiding you, uh, to avoid blindsiding you. How do you do that? I, I mean, I know that in the time today you're going to have to simplify that, but in simple terms, how do you get out ahead of those? And first of all, identify them. And then second of all, take care of them. How do you handle them? Yes, well, great question. Um, basically, we live in a world filled with uncertainty, meaning we don't know what's going to happen with health care. We don't know what's going to happen with taxes. We don't know what's going to happen with North Korea. We've got all these uncertainties. From a business and personal standpoint, strategy based on uncertainty has high risk. On the other hand, strategy based on certainty has low risk and high reward. So in this case, in a world of uncertainty, I have to ask, am I certain of nothing other than death and taxes? And the answer is, oh, actually, yes, you can be certain about thousands of things when you learn how to do it. So very quickly, <clears throat> let me give you a quick lesson on how to do that. Mm, and that please. is... Yes. Well, there's no shortage of trends, and you and I both now coming up uh, on the new year, we'll get a whole bunch of companies putting out a whole bunch of new lists of trends for the new year. The trouble Absolutely. Is, yeah, trouble is which ones are going to happen. So in this case, I've developed a methodology over the years of separating all trends into what I call hard trends and soft trends. Hard trends will happen, guaranteed. They're based on future facts, and you can't stop them, but you can see them coming before they happen. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then there are soft trends. And soft trends are based on assumptions about the future. They're not a future fact. And the good news about a soft trend is if you don't like it, you can change it. So, again, keeping the idea here, um, with hard trends, there are three categories. It's not that difficult. One of them is demographics. So in this country, there's 78 million baby boomers and the hard trend is they're going to get older. They're not going to get younger. And that hard trend allows us to pinpoint some amazing opportunities <clears throat> that are untapped. Let me give you a quick example. Uh, a lot of people love to go boating. A lot of people love to go fishing. But as they get older, uh, it's hard to launch the boat. It's kind of hard to even get in the boat. So what if uh, one of our listeners and I, what if we all decide to create the easy launch trailer for seniors? Uh, with with 10,000 people turning 65 a day, you've got a built-in market growing every year, and that's a hard trend. Um, or what if we decided to make a smartwatch for 75-year-olds and older? By the way, are they going to buy it? Well, no. You're going to buy it for them. And why would you? Well, all of those smartwatches, like all of the brands right now, have a little accelerometer in them. So if grandma's 90-year-old grandma's watch moves rapidly four feet, what happened to grandma? Well, she fell. It'd be good to know that, wouldn't it? And if grandpa's getting a little absent-minded and likes to take walks but can't remember how to get home, what does grandpa do? He has his watch. How do I get home? And it tells him. In other words, you could end up creating amazing low-risk opportunities because one of the principles I teach is if it can be done, it will be done. If you don't do it, someone else will. So this is innovation with low risk. And in this case, uh, let's take a look. I said there were three categories. Yes. Two. So that's demographics, and it's a huge one. Second one is technology. And believe it or not, it's amazingly predictable. Uh, I'll give you some very simple examples. Smartwatches and smartphones, they'll get smarter every year. 
And is the cloud getting full? No, we're putting more and more in the cloud. And uh, after 3G, 4G, and 5G, is that it? Well, no, we're going to have 6G, 7G, and 8G. And by the way, we know when they'll come out. And when you read the book, you'll find out how powerful they'll be and exactly when they'll come out because there's a way to do that. So if you know uh, that something technically is going to happen before it happens, again, you have a great advantage. Uh, one of the six companies I started, as a side note, uh, back in uh, 2009, I looked at uh, uh, apps, mobile apps for phones. And as you and I both know uh, today, we've got a lot of them. But back then, <clears throat> there were only 100,000 apps compared to the giant number we have today. And there were no apps for business. And I thought, will there be an app for real estate? And I thought, yes. And if I don't create it, someone else will. Mm -hmm. So I found a college kid that could program. We, uh, within six months, I developed the first uh, real estate apps uh, for mobile phones, and we were able to produce $1.7 million a month in recurring revenue uh, with just uh, two people and uh, no investment up front because we were using hard trends. Again, mm -hmm. if you don't do it, someone else will. By the way, side note, I license that off now, so when you're using uh, things like Zillow and all of that, you're using that software. Um, wow. And uh, But see, it's not just me. Any of us listening can do this. The reason cab drivers didn't think of Uber, the reason Marriott didn't think of Airbnb is because they were all so busy doing what they do every day, which was my worry for all of our listeners. And that is being busy today, and you can busy yourself right out of business. Yeah. That's why you need to take some time, Kelly, to, I would suggest all of our listeners take at least an hour a week, unplug from the present and all the stuff you're doing, and plug into the future. It's amazing how much you see when you learn how to look. And ask yourself, what am I certain about? What are the hard trends shaping the future? What are the opportunities that they represent? And pick one and do it, and you'll be amazed. I said there were three categories. Let me yes. slip in the third one before we get uh, run, run out of time. <laughs> the, the third one will surprise you and your listeners, and that is government regulation. Mm, and, yes, that uh, is surprising. It is very much so. So, again, all of the regulations that I can't predict, they don't empower me. Who cares? I'll put them off to the side. The key is what can I predict? For example, regardless of whether the administration likes regulation or not, are we going to get more regulations around cybersecurity? The answer is, oh, yes, because there are some hard trends at play that we have to address if we're going to be able to move forward. By the way, there's hundreds of those kinds of things if, once you learn how to see. And can you profit from a regulation? And I'm going to give you a simple example real quickly of how you can. In California last year, there were a 1,000 new laws that went into place in California in January last year. And by the way, that's not an unusual number for California. It's a big state. And one of those laws said that every elementary and junior high school student, uh, I'm sorry, every, every, let me restate that, every kindergartner and first grader in the state of California within three years, that's how long you have to do this, it's a law, you, all, half of the reading has to be nonfiction. So you got three years to make half the reading of those little kids, kindergartners and first graders, nonfiction. Now, when you hear laws like that, you say, what are they doing? And you get all upset. And, but 
The opposite is one of the principles I teach in the anticipatory organization. So instead of looking at what you don't like, look at what you do like. In this case, a 27-year-old teacher in San Diego looked at that law and made three phone calls. She called the San Diego School District, the Los Angeles School District, the San Francisco School District, and said, hey, you got three years to get half of the books for the kindergartners and first graders to be nonfiction. If I provide those books, would you be interested? And they said, yes, we didn't know how we're going to do that. To make a long story short, they underwrote her company, a new company that she started. They became a guaranteed customer, and she didn't have to go on Shark Tank because, <laughs> because she was using the hard trends of regulations and using some of the other principles that I teach in the book to show you how you can easily accelerate and innovate with low risk and how you can accelerate your results by doing things like problem skipping and other things that I teach in the book. Well, and in the example that you just gave, so often when you start a company, you may have a great idea, but it's a big question is, do people really need it? Do they want it? Will they buy it? And with the example you just gave, there's no question that they need it and they will buy it. You've already, they have no choice. <laughs> so you may as well step in and fill that void for for them. Uh, you know, and the other thing in some of the examples that you pointed out, in fact, it was your own example with the real estate app is, you can you can look at some of these trends and come up with some ideas and immediately just <coughs> saying, you know, I don't have any experience in that. But in your case, you went out and found somebody who did. You don't have to be the one who provides the brain power or you came up with the idea. You, then you just need to partner with somebody who actually does have the experience or the skills to carry it out for you. So So don't immediately dismiss something just because it may not be in your skill set. Yeah, as a matter of fact, that's one of the powerful principles I teach in this book, and that is how to take your biggest problems and skip them. So in the case, let's just use myself as an example. Um, during the time that I started that uh, mobile app business, I was writing a book. That was the last book I wrote. I was giving over 60 speeches around the world, and I was uh, doing a project for the Department of Defense. At, so you might think, well, you're too busy to start a company. No, you see, you don't have to, you can do it. I skipped the parts that would have made me too busy. So I needed technology help and I didn't want to spend any money. Well, you know what? I didn't spend any money. I called the local university. I asked for uh, the computer science department. I asked for uh, the head of the department. I said, I'd like the name of an undergraduate who's getting a degree in software programming, who knows more than their teachers. And he said, oh, you mean Steve? And I said, yeah, Steve. There's always a Steve or a Sue. And I talked to Steve, and I said, Steve, uh, you know, uh, how are you making money on the side? And he says, well, I'm programming websites. And I said, I bet you're bored. He said, yeah. I said, how'd you like to program some um, mobile apps that have never been done before? I can't pay any money, but I can give you a percent of the profits. And he said, I'm on board. In other words, I did this without any investment, without spending any money. And, you know, as I said, we were the 17th most downloaded app the week that it was launched. We were in the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, free advertising, because I skipped paying for advertising immediately. You know, you can all do this. Uh, but if we're too busy, right. you won't do it. And if we think, I can't afford it, well, you know, that, that business I launched with no money and with no employees. So And I was already busy. You know what? You can all do this. 
let's learn how to skip some of these problems that you're perceiving that you have. Right. You know, when you, you first started this conversation, you talked about two types of trends. You talked about the hard trends, which you've gone into, and it's really a very systematic, um, objective process. But then there's the soft trends. The soft trends are the ones that can sometimes trip you up and cause <laughs> you a lot of wasted time. Talk to us about those. Absolutely. The biggest danger of a soft trend is, remember, soft trends are not based on future facts. They're based on an assumption and we're assuming it to be a fact. Let me give you a perfect example. Two weeks ago, I was speaking to 2,000 CEOs in the healthcare industry. So we got hospital CEOs, drug company CEOs. And before I spoke to them and gave my keynote speech, they were assuming, like all the rest of us, that the trend of increasing healthcare costs is unstoppable. We're just going to have to get used to that. But once I pointed out that that's actually a soft trend, that's an assumption. And by the way, the power of a soft trend is if you don't like it, you can change it. All of a sudden, it changes the game. And I'll give you solid examples of how you could do that. For example, there's a technology called blockchain. And that is a way to eliminate the cost of a middleman, increase security, and bring transparency, which brings, trans, uh, which brings trust to a system of healthcare that right now has no transparency and trust. Let's face it. A aspirin in a hospital can cost up to 30 bucks, but you don't know that. And you don't know how much your knee surgery is going to cost compared to another place next door or even the artificial knee they may be putting in. You see, it's all an illusion. We don't know the cost. But a technology like blockchain could make it all transparent, which would increase competition, lower costs, and change healthcare costs. Another very quick example is we could use technologies that exist today like virtualization and the cloud and so on to transform purchasing and logistics between hospitals. That could flush billions, not millions, billions of dollars in waste out of our healthcare system. Frankly, we, in the next five years, we could dramatically lower the cost of healthcare. But if you assume it's a hard trend when it isn't, you might just work, put all your efforts into, like we are right now, how are we going to pay for the mess? Instead of, why don't we just solve the mess with things that exist right now? So a soft trend is something you can change. That's the power of it. Yeah. Well, how do you tell? How, how can you determine that it's a soft trend rather than a hard trend? I mean, you said yourself when you started talking about it that at this conference that you were at that everybody assumed it was a hard trend. Uh, how, how do you figure out that it's not? Well, I like to keep it simple so that we can use it. And a good way to keep it simple is, is it impossible to change that trend? Mm -hmm. And if it, uh, so for example, we've got a trend of increasing obesity in this country. We've got a trend of uh, less people becoming doctors and nurses in this country. That's been going on for over 10 years. We've got a trend of increasing um people getting diabetes. Are all of those things impossible to change? Or no. is it possible that we could change all those things? Well, you already know the answer, don't you? Yeah, you right. Those are all soft trends. But the, I can't tell you how many people think those are hard trends that you can't change. So all we do is spend our efforts on reforming. Like, for example, health care reform up till now has been nothing more than health payment reform. Right. Because they, in, in, which that is what we should be reforming. 
we're reforming the wrong thing. You see what I'm getting at? Sure. Yeah, so so the key there is if it's impossible to change, going back to your demographics, un, un, unless some miracle of nature occurs, there's no going backwards in age. <laughs> so so that is a hard yeah. trend. You're not going to uh, put a stop to the baby boomers aging process. And, and no, so the impossibility, and, yeah. Yeah, and, and just to tag on to that, let's take a look at something that people are afraid of uh, at the moment, and that is artificial intelligence. Well, you can't say, let's just not have artificial intelligence. Uh, That is a hard trend going forward. The key is, let's shape it into something positive rather than sit back and hope that it will be something positive. You see, what I'm suggesting in my book, The Anticipatory Organization, is I want us actively shaping a better tomorrow rather than passively receiving it, because then tomorrow may not be better. Yes. That's absolutely true. And speaking of the book again, uh, we are out of time, but there's so much more in here. In fact, you take us through 25 steps in the book, uh, and and it's just a fascinating book. Where can people get a hold of the book? Well, the book is called The Anticipatory Organization. You can get it at Amazon or any bookstore, including all the airport uh, bookstores right now. Uh, you can get uh, more information about me on Burris, B-U-R-R-U-S dot com. And one quick thing I've done for your show today, I am giving any, everyone that's listening a free hardcover copy of the book. All they have to do is go to the, T-H-E-A-O-B-O-O-K, V-A-O-Book dot com. Pay a couple of bucks for shipping. It isn't much. You'll get FedEx that book to you before... Uh, the end of the week and there you go there's a little christmas present wow that's very generous of you daniel and can you repeat that one more time yes it's t-h-e-a-o-b-o-o-k.com v-a-o book and uh you know it's only a few bucks for shipping i'm not making money in the shipping i'm just giving it out there i know the people will love them and uh recommend it to others that's why i know i'll end up doing okay on this Sure. So the AObook.com, AO standing for Anticipatory Organization, of course. So make sure you go out to the AObook.com, get your free copy. Uh, you will uh, owe a couple of bucks for shipping, but what a steal. Um, Daniel, thank you so much for being on our show today. We really appreciate your insights and uh, wish you much luck in the future. Thank you very much. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at I Think Bigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank you.